The Academy Award nominations <laughs> were announced earlier this week. Uh, so my question for you tonight, what category should the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences add to the Oscars? Uh, this can be a jokey or a serious answer. Um, at first, I was thinking, hoping all jokey, such as um, best use of Chris Pratt. Um, but then I thought of something and I'm like, I would actually like to see this. I'd like to see a best cameo uh, award. Uh, Tabitha. I was also trying to be jokey and I said I would like a category of movies that specifically did not make me cry because I feel like that is a feat into itself <laughs> Ooh. Um, if it can be accomplished. Um, but all seriousness, I think a category uh, should be added for cultural impact for the year. Like we live in an age of social media and... Mm. 90% of the movies that I feel like I see, I see via memes on social media, and I feel like that's a huge cultural impact. Matt. Uh, so mine is semi-jokey, semi-serious. Um, we all enjoy those nonsensical, plot-hole-filled popcorn flicks, and I kind of feel like there should be a category for those, because, I don't know, whether it's an action movie or something like that, regardless of, like I said, plot holes or whatever. Like, I don't feel like some of those that become cult favorites or ones that you will turn on in the background in 20 years get credit where they deserve. You know, kind of going in with that and, Tabitha, your cultural impact idea. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't a couple years ago the Oscars announced that they were going to have a category similar to something like that and then they backtracked and they were like mm, never mind am i making that up i don't remember that but that doesn't mean anything <laughs> same <laughs> maybe it was a dream you're listening to the geek awakens with mitch matt tabitha and lydia So we've got a lot to talk about, and we're actually going to keep talking about the Oscars. Because uh, like I said, nominations were announced earlier this week. Um, Oppenheimer leads with 13 nominations, followed by uh, Poor Things with 11 nominations. Uh, the nominations for Best Picture, I'll go through all those. Um, American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, uh, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. Um, arguably, the biggest takeaway from the uh, announcements revolves around Barbie. Um, the movie scored eight nominations. Uh, Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, uh, Ryan Gosling. Uh, Best Supporting Actress, America F uh, Ferreira. Adapted Screenplay, Original Song, got two nominations for that. Uh, I'm Just Ken and... Uh, what was I made for? Uh, costume design and production design. Not production resign. That's... <laughs> I quit! <laughs> uh, many people are calling out the Academy, though, for not nominating Margot Robbie for Best Actress or Greta Gerwig for Best Director. Uh, 
I haven't seen Barbie yet. I've wanted to. I just it it lives in the ever growing world of things that I want to see. Um, so I can't really speak to whether or not I think that Margot or Greta deserve those nominations. But it is weird, especially like, I mean, obviously, if you have 10 uh, Best Picture nominations, you can't have 10 Best Director nominations. That's That just is not a thing. Um, but it, it is weird, though, that you've got Best Picture. You've got two supporting, you know, you got supporting actor and actress um, nominations. And it's just weird, right? It's weird. Yeah, especially given the plot of the movie. <laughs> Feels a little sus. Um, we did watch Barbie, and I can fully admit I was not very excited about that film, and I was like, whatever, we'll watch it. Um, it was great. Like, every moment of that movie was wonderful. And while the characters that Ryan Gosling and America Ferreira portrayed were important to the role i feel like the 80 percent of that movie you didn't even know america ferrera was in it no she was in the maybe the last half hour ryan gosling kind of same kept peeking in and out and i get that they're in there for supporting roles but this movie has clearly had a big impact it's got a it's got a best picture nom it's got two songs it's got two of it the I don't know that Margot Robbie deserved an Oscar for this because, to be fair, the more hard-hitting moments in the film did not belong to her. They mm, didn't. No, they didn't. Um, there were a couple of scenes where her acting chops, I think, were kind of tested, but for the most part, the those like gut-punch, Oscar-nomination-worthy performances, that was not Margot Robbie in this film for me. However... The, again, going back to cultural impact, like Greta Gerwig created this incredible like micro universe of Barbie and to be completely left out again feels like the plot of Barbie. Yeah, it's I, I agree that I don't know that Margot Robbie would have garnered a, a best actress. Um, but I think the weirdest thing is just like. And like you said, Mitch, like you have 10 best picture noms and you're not obviously going to have all of those as best director. That's just not how that works. But typically of those that are best picture, those are either nominated again for best director or best lead actor or actress. Like it kind of goes hand in hand, really. Mm -hmm. So to not get either of those is is what's really weird to me, like one of those should have happened in conjunction with best picture. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it does. It does. It, it, it's the plot of Barbie. (laughs) And this just popped in my head. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, because apparently my Oscars, uh, knowledge is lacking, but a few years ago, didn't kind of the same thing happen with black Panther. It was nominated for Best Picture, but then, like, nothing else. So I wonder if this is kind of, like, the same type of thing where Barbie gets nominated for Best Picture because of its... 
cultural significance. Cult- exactly. Yes. So Barbie gets nominated for being Barbie, like Meryl gets nominated for being Meryl. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Well, because what the Oscars has been notorious for doing that. Like it's it's almost like they know that the world expects them to nominate a certain thing, so they nominate it, and then it never wins. Um, over the last, I don't know, literally since Birdman won Best Picture, I've had beef with the Oscars anyway, so I feel like sometimes the things and the people that win feel like a, not a scapegoat, but like a popularity contest versus like actual credit and merit. Um, wasn't it, was I, am I incorrect that it was, what, Angela Bassett for supporting actress? Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. So again, best picture, but not Ryan Coogler or Chadwick Boseman, but, no, but I, I do have to agree that there are times where the Academy seems to feel like they just give the nominations because there is almost societal pressure to do it. Like, you go back to Lord of the Rings. And finally, it was like Return of the King hit and there was so much pressure on the Academy to realize that the entire trilogy really was such an incredible sequence of movies that all of a sudden like, oh, wait, here's 15 nominations for Return of the King to make up for screwing over the first two films. Arguably the worst film of the three. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, but like it was like them trying to make good on it. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like with whether it's um you know the hugos for books or uh, any any number of other things you feel like there are some things that are just nominated in order to appease the masses almost like you know at this point that barbie's probably not going to win best picture but like oh hey now you can throw it on the cover of the you know blu-ray that nobody's buying that says you know uh you know academy nominated for best picture so um, I do want to hand this over to not Seth. Uh, he is this not catching him off by surprise. I did ask if he was okay with this. Um, but as probably like, I would venture to say that you probably saw more movies than the three of us combined last year. Um, so what are, what are your hot takes on the uh, Oscar noms? Hi, so happy to be here. Thank you for the invite. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the Oscars are, Often surprising. Um, they're usually one of the last uh, kind of award ceremonies of, you know, the previous year. Um, so you can usually just look towards, you know, what the Golden Globes or the Gotham Awards, you know, nominated and won to figure out what's going to win, you know, an Oscar or get nominated at the very least. Uh, so it's always kind of exciting to see what comes out because there's a big following for the Oscars basically any movie that gets an Oscar nomination, you will see kind of get re-released in the theaters leading up to the actual Oscars. Um, AMC usually used to at least do a like big day long two day events of like showing all of the best picture nominees. I don't think they do that anymore. I think they just show a movie like every other day. Now you pick the ones you want to go to. Um, one film that surprised me was past lives, which I saw that in theaters and I was like, hmm, this isn't going to get an Oscar nomination. And then it was very, very quiet up until the Oscars and they got a nomination. I was like, good for you. Um, Because it's an A24 film and it's a very cheap film that they made. Um, It's a fine film. I just didn't think it was a best picture film. 
Um, there's just a lot of really long movies on this list, and I just don't do a long movie. <laughs> like you have to, you have to be everything, everywhere, all at once to get me to watch more than two hours. <laughs> Bring back the hour and a half movies, please. Um, but yeah, kind of what you guys were talking about is like movies getting nominated for kind of they have to be their cultural like significance. That kind of goes along with the Oscars of like people being nominated in certain roles and winning because of that because the Academy people often claim is very much giving awards for people for like hey we kind of shorted you on previous roles and you're kind of getting up there and this probably will be your last big role so here's an award or a nomination sorry about it for these past years like I love Jamie Lee Curtis but last year she won best supporting actress and that should have been Stephanie Hsu from Everything Everywhere All at Once. They're both great, but Jamie Lee just just definitely got that award because they're not going to give her an award for Activia commercials. Let's be real, real. <laughs> She's not going to get one for True Lies retroactively. <laughs> <laughs> A fish called Wanda. Uh, Freaky Friday. I would. I, I mean, she deserves. I would give her an award for yeah. Freaky Friday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's always going to be interesting to see what happens live on TV. So, you know, everybody tune into the Oscars. Something happening live on TV, like Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. We live in America, man. There's always something weird <laughs> live on TV. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, so we're going to stick with award season for just a little bit longer. Uh, because, Matt, you're going to talk about the Razzies. Yeah, the Razzies were also announced along with, well, not along with the Academy Awards, but, you know, about the same time those get released. Um, and I guess probably the biggest news from the Razzies is that the MCU has scored its first nominations. Um, nominations, plural? Nominations, plural. What? Four. Four Razzies. Um, for, they all come from Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Um, they were nominated for Worst Director, Worst Supporting Actor for both Michael Douglas and Bill Murray. And they were nominated for Worst Prequel, Remake, Ripoff, or Sequel. So... Um, I mean, we're supporting actor. They have some uh, hefty competition because you've got Michael Douglas, Mel Gibson, Bill Murray, Franco Nero, and Sylvester Stallone. What are those movies? Uh, Mel Gibson is Confidential Informant. Franco Nero is The Pope's Exorcist. And Sylvester Stallone is The Expendables. <laughs> However you would actually pronounce that. I don't know. It's the fourth Expendables movie. So, um, worst prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel. Ant-Man is going up against The Exorcist Believer, the fourth Expendables movie, Indiana Jones and the Dial of... Oh, it says Indiana Jones and the Dial of dot 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 still beating a dead horse. That's rude. (laughs) Um, And then Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Um, So... Um, the Razzies is going to be, I forget when it actually is, but, um, I, it, they're not the first Marvel technically properties to be nominated for Razzies, uh, but they are the first official 
MCU movie to be nominated. So, um, which it was bound to happen at some point. Um, yeah. I I didn't see Quantumania. There's a lot of MCU movies last that came out last year that I didn't see. Um, I still want to. The these nominations don't change that. No. I still want to see that movie. Um, I'm assuming that it's not as bad as everyone says it is, <laughs> but getting a Razzie nomination does kind of lend credence to that. Just a smidge. Smidge, yes. <laughs> so let's go ahead and open up the pull list. What's on our pull list this week? We've got two books to talk about this week. The first one is Rick and Morty, Maximum Crescendo. Uh, it's out now from Oni Press, written by Brockton McKinney, with art by Jarrett Williams. Uh, Rick and Morty try to stay ahead of Concerto and Chicken Skin Dog School. However, Concerto is out for revenge uh, for the death of his friend and Chicken Skin's owner, Colonel Circus Meat. Um, a death Concerto blames on Rick. I did not realize this until I was making notes for tonight that this is a sequel to another Rick and Morty book uh, that I did not read. <laughs> so I was real lost. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and give give my opinion now. Um, knowing that it's a sequel, I guess this my my review is kind of skewed because there were a lot of points where I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I, I'm not super familiar with Rick and Morty. I feel like I say this every time we review a Rick and Morty book. However, like, I'm still usually familiar with some of the other characters in it. That was not the case with this book. <laughs> um, but now I realize I should have known them from before. Uh, there were a few moments, like... This was not my favorite Rick and Morty book that we've that we've covered before. Um, there were moments I liked. There were a couple of fourth wall breaks that really made me laugh out loud. Um, and I felt like I felt like usually you can read this and be like you and it's like you're watching an episode of Rick and Morty. This was not the case with this one. Um, I just felt like something was missing. Um, and it could very well be the issue that I did not read. <laughs> Tabitha, what'd you think? So it was not you. I My notes literally say the same thing. Like the first issue of this arc, I remember reading and it, it still kind of felt like a Rick and Morty episode. This one didn't. Like this one felt like somebody else wrote it. Like it was very strange. And like sometimes when we're reading, especially when I'm reading on like my iPad, I often feel like I've skipped a page mm. and I kept having to go back because like the scene would change or like the dialogue would change. And I'm like, who the hell are you? Where the hell did you come from? Like who back, 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 back. Okay. <laughs> nope. Didn't skip anything. Like it just, it felt kind of off and it felt kind of disjointed. Like, I feel like most of the time when we get these Rick and Morty comics to read, like it literally just feels like you're watching an episode of Rick and Morty. This one did not. And it was not your fault for not, reading that first one because i did read that first one and i was still dazed and confused however bringing back the zombie dog did make my heart smile so <laughs> matt what'd you think um i also do not remember reading the first issue of this um 
because I was actually going to give credit to this for um, there's a lot of a lot of episodes of Rick and Morty and there are a lot of the issues that we read where they start off very much like a classic Rick and Morty episode and things kind of take a few pages to get going. This one did not. It just threw you right to the wolves or the zombie dogs, um, it, it, you know, right off the bat. And I really appreciated that, actually, because sometimes I feel like some of those first few pages are a little droll. Um, so, you know, jumping right in, I thought was a good thing. It was a little confusing, but at the same time, like, I enjoyed the weirdness. And um, I don't know. I want to go back and read the first one. And I kind of want to know how this ends because there were some, like, there were some great moments in this one. Like all of the, uh, the mascots coming alive in the graveyard, being undead in the graveyard. I forgot about that. Singing, that was amazing. And singing all of their theme songs like simultaneously. Like, I almost wanted to hear what those theme songs sounded like <laughs> to see that 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 complete ruckus that was going on. Um, I don't know. I still kind of enjoyed it, and I'm, I, I don't know. It, it, it did feel a little off from the regular Rick and Morty ones, but for this particular instance, I felt like it was okay. Um, also on the pull list is uh, Xeno. It's an out- anthology out now from Oni Press. Um, we did talk about the first issue of this book. Um, I don't know. A lot of episodes mm. back. I'm not going <laughs> to tell you which one. You'll have to listen to them all. Um, <laughs> So this is the trade collection of the miniseries that was released last year. Uh, This anthology is filled with uh, subversive, surrealist sci-fi stories filled with paranoia, alienation, and adrenaline. Uh, Matt, I feel like this book is right up your alley. Am I right? Uh, So there are definitely stories in here that I absolutely loved. Um, (laughs) There were other stories that I was not so fond of. I, in a lot of cases, like, I don't need you to give me all of the details. Like, you can you can start me off not knowing what's going on and kind of fill in the details as we go. Um, but there were some of these that were so obscure that even by the end, I, I didn't know what was happening. Um, most of the art styles um, fit with the tales that they were telling. Um, and like we said, it's an anthology series. So like there's each, each little story is different art style. Some of them fit really well. Some of them I felt it could have fit better. Um, but I don't know. Um, it, it threw me off because I, like the first two that we read, I was like, wait a minute. I know that we read these and then we don't get the, like the last one that was in the issue that we read until the very end of the book. And I was kind of waiting for that one to come next. And then it shows up at the very end. I'm like, huh, okay. That's kind of a weird way to reorganize the trade. <laughs> but okay, cool. Um, I don't know. Again, some of these were absolutely phenomenal and I loved them. And a few of them were not so great. Um, either way, like I, I would read another volume of these. Um, and that is kind of like the wonderful thing about an anthology because you can do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I didn't finish this. I read enough, especially since it's an anthology. I read enough to, 
be comfortable talking about it. Um, I most of the stories <laughs> I read, um, I really enjoyed. You, you're absolutely right, Matt. The art for each story matches the story really well. Um, a lot of it, it there's. <laughs> There are some stories where, whew, boy, there's a lot of gore and guts and all that kind of stuff. Um, there was also the one story about um, the, I I guess it's like this kind of like dystopian future or whatever, where like basically everybody lives in their own separate, oh, yeah. yeah, that story just gave me the heebies in a really really good way um, but yeah like yeah this this kind of stuff is not normally my bag but i am glad i read it um i'm with you matt i i think if they put out another volume of this it's definitely something that i would check out as well um tabitha what do you think so i have no memory of reading any of this before so i don't know if i just didn't or if i blacked out but I am maybe both, <clears throat> probably both. I am not always a huge fan of short stories, whether in like novel form or graphic novel, comic book form, whatever. I just don't feel like I get enough. Um, so when I realized kind of what this was after that first story, I was kind of assuming that I pretty much wasn't going to enjoy this at all. <laughs> um, but then there were a couple of stories in here that were absolutely fantastic. The bunnies. The mm. melting oh, yeah. alive town, the Beezy the robot story. Yeah. Like, oh my god. That yeah. robot story was a A plus masterclass in short fiction. Yeah, it like, really was. Had that been in uh, like novella format, graphic novel format, short movie format, it, no matter how that was done, that was incredible. Like I kind of wanted, like I finished it, and have I not been in, like a rush to finish the rest of the the whatever. I would have gone back and reread that one because it was so incredibly well done and it was graphic and it was gory and it was bloody, but it didn't say much, but it had such a huge impact. So I guess it's just one of those things, like sometimes when you do give a chance to things that you think you won't enjoy, like something punches you in the face and <laughs> this time it just happened to be Be Breezy the Robot. <laughs> All right, let's go to trailer takedown. Let's get ready for trailer takedown. Um, we've got four. I don't know if all of these are movies. I, I don't know. <laughs> we've got four things. How about that? Um, the first two will be on Apple TV Plus. Um, the first matchup is The New Look versus Constellation. Um, I'll be honest right now with the new look it's it tells the story of help me out who are these christian designers? jor and uh coco chanel thank you um that shows how much i don't necessarily even care about <laughs> designers and that kind of stuff um but yeah so like it tells the the, the story and i guess the it is interesting in the fact that I forget that these are real people who create, you know, who created this company. Um, you know, you could easily just say that Coco Chanel, somebody just pulled names out of a hat and was like, here you go. Mm -hmm. You know, um, 
you know, Coco Chanel may as well be uh, Bubba Gump, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a high fashion girly, but like that was like almost blasphemous. Like, I want to pray for you a little bit right now. (laughs) I'm just just saying like naming a company after a fictional character is, is what I was getting at. Got it. Anyway, I'm calling Paris. Um, so needless to say this um this trailer did not change my opinion on this at all uh going up against constellation which at first like the first i don't know like five ten seconds i was like wait was this the adam sandler trailer that we watched last week (laughs) um it is not (laughs) and for about the first 20 seconds i was ready to go five and five um because i was like okay i don't think that i'm really here for either of these um but then so this tells the story of a woman who is an astronaut um she's talking with her kid and what happened some kind of like crash or something explosion explosion thank you um and so she ends up back home, but it is not her home. Like, at one point, she even says, like, I have a piano, but I don't play the piano. Like, once once I realized we were dealing with an alternate reality or, you know, an, an alternative history or whatever the case may be, I was completely here for this. Um, my only concern is that I don't know if this is a movie or a TV series. If it's a movie, I feel like they're going to do... There is too much stuff going on just in this trailer alone Mm -hmm. for it to be a movie. I really need for it to be a series. I don't know if it is or not. Um, Either way, it gets all of my points, and the new look gets nothing. Uh, Matt? Um, So, for the most part, regarding the new look I'm, I'm in your camp here mitch um like i don't care about high fashion i don't really care about the designers but at the same time there tends to be something for me when i watch historical biopics um you end up with an unknown confrontation between the two that you didn't know existed um you're drawn into the lives of who these people were outside of the public persona that they present and in this case the you know the paris fashion world um so as much as the general premise does not interest me really at all i know how i end up with these films so i feel like i'm probably gonna watch it and i'm gonna enjoy it and i'm gonna like want to dig into more history for like whatever confrontation these two have you know uh you know at that time frame um constellation i don't know it's it's creepy space alternate reality like weird shit's going on which is like my vibe like i i love that kind of stuff um i do think this is a series 
it might be a limited series, um, which would do well because you're right. There seems to be a lot going on and there's going to be a lot to have to figure out. Um, at first I was, I, I wasn't even thinking Adam Sandler movie from last week. I was like, is this just a rehash of the Martian? But like showing us what happens when he gets home. Um, <laughs> um, but I don't know. It's, it definitely looks interesting and looks kind of creepy and you want to fit, fit figure out the puzzle pieces as it goes along. Um, so I'm going to go seven points for consolation and three for the new look. Tabitha. So the new look is a 10 part miniseries. I feel like I should have said something about that to you guys originally. Um, and while I am like I just said, I am not a high fashion girly. I never have been. I never will be. The struggle and the time period with these two people who now all we think about is money and high fashion and important people dressed in important outfits. Like they were going through it in, I mean, you got to think it's Paris in the 1940s. Like they're occupied. They're not having a good time. Um, I am interested to see how they take that on especially given that they are focusing on so many side characters. Maisie Williams playing uh, Christian Dior's sister, who was arrested um, multiple times, I believe, for being like a rabble-rouser against the Nazis. Um, This cast looks incredible. The costuming looks incredible, which if you're going to mess up the costuming on a Coco Chanel, Christian Dior, like miniseries, like Apple Plus should probably just shut down. Um, but this has also got one of my favorite things. I love a historical biopic that is that has the soundtrack of modern music, and any or even like a historical movie that has a soundtrack of modern music, like the Bosler and Gatsby. 10 out of 10 like this is giving me those vibes you've got Lana Del Rey playing in the background while this is happening and I'm just like mm. um, as far as Constellation literally they recreated Astronaut's Wife with a woman and left Johnny Depp out of it like <laughs> <laughs> I know that movie flopped but we didn't need to redo it <laughs> so I'm giving all of my points to the new look and none to Astronaut's Wife without Johnny Depp with a score of 17 to 13 Constellation moves on uh, it will meet the winner of Ripley versus Has Been Hotel. Um, Matt, let's start with you this round. Uh, I'm not gonna lie; I don't really know what Ripley is about. Um, I, I, I don't like. You didn't read the Talented Mr. Not, Ripley? No, I have never read the Talented Mr. Ripley. I have not seen that film either, so I don't. I'm leaving. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, not Seth. <laughs> Um, and I'm not gonna lie. As far as the trailer goes, um, it's it's like a slice of life kind of thing for the trailer. Like I I I didn't get it. I'm sorry. I don't. Um, Has Been Hotel is the first foray into animation for a twenty four. Um, and it's also a musical. Um. It's a hotel in hell where the souls are trying to redeem themselves. Um, it's campy. It's crass. It's gory. It's all the things that A24 is known for, but in 
animated form. Um, so I apologize apparently for my um, ignorance, but um, I'm going to give all 10 points to Hasbin Hotel. Yeah, with Ripley, I also didn't really know what was going on. I thought we were talking about Ripley's Believe It or Not. Um, <laughs> Tabitha's leaving. <laughs> um, also, I did think about the fact how like I always complain about with mangas, how they're in black and white. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> this movie is also black and white. But no, th- that didn't bug me as much like black and white movies don't bug me that much um but still like as a trailer and as i you know i did assume that it was talented mr ripley uh i don't know that i've ever read it or anything like that but that's beside the point um but still like this trailer didn't really give me much i didn't really know what was going on i'll be honest i hated the trailer for has been hotel <laughs> at first um, which this is out, or at least the first episode is out on Amazon yeah. Prime. Um, I thought about making us watch the first episode, and I kind of wish that we did that instead of watching the trailer. Um, this trailer, you're right, Matt. I mean, it's it's crass, it's gory, but I felt like it, and I hate to sound like a freaking like 70 year old grandma here, but it was crass just to be crass. You know, um, there was too much of that. And then once I saw kind of what they were going for and saw that, you know, there it's, you know, the, the story of, you know, people in hell trying to still redeem themselves and the fact that it's a musical, I'm like, okay, <laughs> maybe by, I, I was ready to go five and five, but by the time I ended it, I was like, I still don't know that this show is for me, but I am giving Hasbin Hotel six points and Ripley four. Tabitha. I feel like I picked things that were like very like Tabitha centric for my trailers. <laughs> and this that's week. fine. I, I just I, I, I realize that about myself. Um, so Ripley, it will be our eighth, I believe, like film iteration of the Patricia Highsmith character of Tom Ripley. Um, Tom Ripley is one of my favorite con men characters in all of literature. Tom Ripley is Jason Bourne without being a tool shed. Like it's, if you haven't seen or you have no information on Tom Ripley as a character, as he was written by Patricia Highsmith in the forties, like it is this wonderfully done, very intelligent, very um, smooth character. Um, and if anybody can pull all of the things off that have made Ripley Ripley, it's going to be Andrew Scott. Um, it's This is just going to be a series. It's just eight parts. The uh, the supporting cast is going to be incredible. This trailer, the black and white is done for a reason. Um, and I'm not going to say anything because I, it will be a kind of a spoiler and I am going to make Matt watch this. Um, <laughs> Can I have some background before we go into the No, um, okay. maybe uh, ask again later. Um, <laughs> it's like a magic eight ball right here. 
That's usually how I speak. <laughs> Outlook, not good. Um, <laughs> uh, Try again later. Yeah, basically. <clears throat> um, this looks incredible. The calm black and white like thing is just, I'm so excited to see what they do with this because I feel like there's no way they're going to mess it up. Like they messed up the talented Mr. Ripley. That film should be shredded before it ever hit the theater. Um, as far as has been hotel, I felt like I was watching a baby that was born of Foster's imaginary home for children and repo the genetic opera. And mm. I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I said something kind of similar about, Velma when we watched either the first episode or the trailer and then we have continued to watch Velma and I freaking love Velma and I will hear no hatred for Velma um so I am going to give it one point but the other nine of my points are going to go to Ripley so with a score of 13 to 17 yes (laughs) yes yes 13 to 17 has been hotel moves on um that was the score from the last round that's that's why I was confused so, the finals, it's Constellation versus Has-Been Hotel. Do you guys have your points? Yes. Yeah? Okay. Um, I'm giving eight to Constellation, two to Has-Been Hotel. Um, I want to be wrong about my initial opinion about Has-Been Hotel, but I want to be very, very right about my initial opinion of Constellation. Tabitha. Um... I'm going to give five points to the astronaut's wife and five points to uh, the adult version of uh, Foster's Home for Imaginary Children. I just want original stories, guys. <laughs> Matt. Um, so I finally pegged part of what is... part. I finally <laughs> remembered what part of Has Been Hotel reminds me of. And there was an... I don't know if it was an adult swim cartoon... It didn't last very long, but it was, it was called Lucy, Daughter of the Devil. Has-Been Hotel reminds me of that. And Lucy, Daughter of the Devil was brilliant, was hilarious, and it didn't last very long. I'm hoping that Has-Been Hotel gets more life than that one. Um, I'm going to go six points for Has-Been Hotel and four for Constellation. Okay. With a score of... 17 points constellation wins (laughs) and has been hotel got 13 points guys what is wrong with i think we need to go play the lottery 17 and 13 and use yeah just use those numbers over and over over. (laughs) all right well let's go to gut reaction gut reaction and tabitha um we're gonna start with you um and Hopefully, Madonna has a prayer in court. Uh, well, she needs to start showing up on time. Um, she's historically late uh, for live performances, and she's gotten some pushback on it in the past, but now she's getting some additional pushback from some fans in New York City. Um, her shows at the Barclay Center were supposed to start at 8.30, but she didn't take the stage until after 10.30 on all three nights of the show. Um, two people who did attend the show have now filed a lawsuit against not only Badada but also Barclays Center because they didn't make an announcement basically saying anything. Um, this is not the first time Madonna's been sued for being late. It also happened in Florida in 2019 
they threw out the case because the venue did make an announcement, which was like, hey, man, Madonna's late. Um, this one states that because there was no announcement made that the delayed start can, you know, whatever, they can file the lawsuit. Madonna has historically also made comments like, I don't think you understand that the I, I can't possibly be wait. I'm the queen. Like, ma'am, you're Madonna. You're not even British. You're from New Jersey or whatever. Chill out. Um, Long Island? Somewhere in New York. <laughs> um, I'm giving Madonna a thumbs down. Like, I get that you're Madonna and people will wait for you. But, like, it's not like there's something happening to where she's late. She's just late to be late because then she can say shit like everyone waits for the queen and I'm Madonna. Like, cool. I get it. I also have issues with people suing for things like this because I feel like it jams up our legal system with bullshit. But our legal system's jammed up with bullshit no matter what. So, thumb sideways. Matt. Um, who does she think she is? Axel Rose? I mean, like, here's the thing. Like, there are Madonna, Axel Rose. There are certain artists that are notoriously late for their concerts. You go to their show and expect them to show up on time. Shame on you for being an idiot. Like, come on. Like, I don't care. I don't care where. I don't care when. I don't care if she has made, like, on-time performances in the last six weeks. You can't go to her show and expect that that's going to happen. Like, I'm not going to go to a Guns N' Roses show and expect that, one, Axl Rose either shows up at all or that he shows up on time. I'm not going to sue anybody because he doesn't show up on time. It's announcement or not. Like when you get those artists that are known for this, you, I'm sorry, you don't have any standing. Sit down, take your lawsuit home. Thumbs down. I was in your camp for the most part, Matt. Um, But two hours is excessive. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm never going to have Madonna concert money. Let's just be honest. Um, I didn't know that she was notoriously late because, again, I'm never going to see Madonna in concert. Why? Why do I care? So, yeah. So, like, if it was going to be like, you know, oh, a half hour late, 45 minutes late. OK, fine. Whatever. Get over it. But two hours late is pretty excessive. Um, I I'm giving this a thumb sideways all around. Um, I mean. Madonna, even if you are the queen at the end of the day, um, this is still your job and maybe be on time for your job. <laughs> uh, Matt, let's go to the Black Lagoon. Uh, so Skybound Comics is going to be giving us um, a new series with the creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, Skybound Comics, Skybound Entertainment, which is from robert kirkman um walking dead fame um they are going to be doing a four issue limited series um it's gonna be written by dan waters and ram v um it's the first issue comes out april 24th of this year um they're kind of doing a universal monsters they, depending on how this is received, they might end up doing more Universal Monsters series. Um, I don't know. I I love these classic monsters. Um, reinvigorating them, bringing them back to life. Um, I'm here for it, especially a little four-issue limited series. It's like doing a, a new movie, but 
not spending all that money on it yet. So um, I think this is fun. I'm here for it. Thumbs up. You said that if this does well, they might do this with other Universal monsters. Mm. All that I could think of was when they were like, hey, if this remake of The Mummy does well, <laughs> we're going to do this with other Universal monsters. And I, God, I hope that this <laughs> does better than that. <laughs> Can't really do worse. Yeah. Um, I was ready to give this a thumb sideways because my knowledge of the creature of the Black black lagoon is very limited and this would not be something i would pick up that said i love ram v's artwork so knowing that um knowing that he's the artist on that i'm willing like i'm going to give this a thumbs up i still don't know if i'm gonna end up picking it up but i know that the art is in very good hands tabitha yeah i i have a soft spot for the classic monsters no matter what format they're in so i'm gonna give this a thumbs up sticking with comics a little bit DC has released the solicitation for their free comic book day offering. It says, quote, the prelude to the biggest DC comics event of 2024 is here. It's a story 30 years in the making. And in this special free comic book day tale, the final domino to fall in an epic scheme comes tumbling down and the DC universe will never be the same. There is speculation that the, 30 years in the making refers to 1994's zero hour a crisis uh, excuse me a crisis in time event uh, which was used to tie up loose in the loose ends of crisis on infinite earths um, a sequel to zero hour could also be kind of like a universe altering event so there could be more to the idea of like oh this uh, this event is going to change the DC universe forever. Like, okay. Yeah, this one probably could. <laughs> um, so free comic book day is Saturday, May 4th. Um, I'm giving this a uh, thumb sideways. This does excite me a little bit, but at the same time, so many, so often you'll have um, these comic events that promise to change everything. And then it changes nothing. Tabitha. I feel like doing this for free comic book day is an odd flex. Like, I feel like you're drumming up, like help and like want for free comic book day but at the same time like i don't trust anything that they do for marketing schemes so thumb sideways met everything always changes the universe as far as you know it whether it's marvel dc whatever regardless of the event the thing that i like about this is if they are going back to zero hour reinvigorating interest in a 30 year old comic maybe draws people into those former issues and those former trades. So in that regard, cool. Thumb sideways overall. Tabitha, let's talk about Libro FM. Uh, so today is unfortunately the day we're recording. This is the last day um, for this partnership that Libro FM is doing with um, book industry charitable foundation Ann Patchett, Jason Reynolds, Ibram X. Kennedy, and Eric LaSalle are all raising money for this not-for-profit, which is the only not-for-profit in existence that helps booksellers and comic sellers through emergencies like natural natural disasters and medical expenses. Um, when you purchase certain audiobooks, 100% of the profits are going to go directly to that charity. Um, I'm just hoping that since we're seeing this now with these authors, they're going to continue to do this for other authors and other audiobooks in the future. I'm giving this a huge thumbs up. Matt. Yeah, this is a huge thumbs up. I also feel like some of these authors um, 
are doing this because they could join forces and make a bigger impact than they do already individually um, does not mean that they won't join forces again, if you will, um, and do something again. But uh, thumbs up for the whole idea and, and what they're doing. Yeah, thumbs up. This is really cool, and I hope this they do this again. Uh, Matt, let's go to Pal World. Uh, so Pal World is a new game that has been described as Pokemon with guns. Uh, it's available on Steam and Xbox. Rumor has it's becoming coming to PlayStation shortly. It sold one million copies in the first eight hours. Sold 8 million copies in 6 days. It has already ramped up to 2 million concurrent players on Steam. Causing Steam some server issues. Um, It's an action-adventure survival game developed by a Japanese uh, company called Pocket Pair. It's a world... Don't like that. Don't like that at all. (laughs) I'm just reporting it. I didn't make it up. Um... It's a world populated with quote-unquote pals, which are, I mean, watch the trailer. They're very, 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 very similar to Pokemon. Um, But those pals, um, players can go around and battle them and capture them, but then use them for base building, traversal, so if you get one that's a horse or something, you can ride it across the city, and also combat, and then you can arm these pals with weapons i don't know i'm kind of here for this i kind of want to try it um it's like 27 dollars though i think is what it was like to buy it from steam so i don't know maybe if it comes down in price i give it a shot but it yeah, seems like a, a <laughs> it seems like a fun it seems to be well received so i'm gonna go thumbs up for trying something a little different yeah it sounds like you're doing too much pal <laughs> world uh, thumbs down. Tabitha. Are you saying pal? P-A-L? Yes. P-A-L-W-O-R-L-D. I thought you were pal. saying pal. Like pal. Yep. Like right pal, in kisser. Pal like, world. I don't like that at all either. It's I don't a like really, the name. It's like unobtainium. It's not a very original <laughs> no, name. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that they didn't just turn around and give Pokemon the ability to have guns because I feel like that would be problematic. <laughs> so, thumbs sideways. Uh, not Seth here. I'm going to give it a thumbs down. I was trying to download my kitty cat game on Steam, <laughs> and it was not working, and I really wanted to play my kitty cat game, so I was not happy. It was because the servers were down, because it broke the record for num- like the most concurrent users on an online game on Steam ever. <laughs> like of the whole history of Steam and all the games that they have on Steam, it broke that record. So yeah, thumbs down, because I'm going to play my kitty cat game. I would like to... Now give this a thumbs down because that sounds like Not Seth was upset and I don't like that. So thumbs down. <laughs> and for the record, what is the kitty cat game? Um, it's Stray that was previously mentioned on the podcast oh. that Tap was like, you need to play this game and I'm playing this game. And within loading up, I was already very excited <laughs> to be a cat. <laughs> to say hi to <laughs> so Portal Games announced a new board game based on Johan Gutenberg. Uh, Printing Press has players experience 16th century publishing. Players will plan out publications using plates, frames, and printing cards to fulfill customer orders. Players (laughs) Players gain fame points to win. 
Uh, printing press is for one to four players, can take 15 to 60 minutes, and is expected to release on March 20th. Um, speaking of kitty cats, there is a cat on the cover of this game. Um, I'm giving this a thumbs up. This sounds like a lot of fun. I really want to play this. My only concern, and it's not a concern enough to give it a thumb sideways, but like, I know with board games like this, it could end up being fairly pricey, but I don't know. Maybe if we all go in on it, it's it all could, that movable it could be type. our game. Uh, tap it up. Um, heart eye emoji. Um, this <laughs> is everything I've ever wanted in a board game in my entire life. Uh, I don't care how much this is. If it's under $100, I'm buying it. Thumbs all the way up. Matt. Uh, when you first started this, I was like, how did they possibly make a game about the printing press? And then the more you got into this, I'm like, okay, this might actually be interesting and fun. Um, I I can't go full thumbs up. I'm going to go thumb sideways until we see price and maybe some gameplay. In other news, I'm getting a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't even officially started Shooty Gatwa's first season of Doctor Who. But the Doctor is already getting a new companion. Uh, Millie Gibson will only play Ruby Sunday full-time for the first season. Uh, Russell T. Davies has rewritten episodes uh, to season two to wrap up her character's arc. Millie will only be in a few episodes of season two and is not expected to be in this year's Christmas special. Uh, No reason has been given for Millie's sudden departure. Uh, Verata Sethu has been cast as the Doctor's newest companion, uh, Verata played uh, Sinta Kaz in Andor. She's also been in Mrs. Sid Who Invest- Investigates, Jurassic World Dominion, and Now You Can See Me Too. Or Now You See Me Too. I'm giving this, I'm giving this a thumbs sideways. <laughs> While, yes, it does seem a little sus that, like, you know, even just, was it last year? year before i don't know time is wibbly wobbly um but whenever they announced shooty and millie as you know as the doctor and ruby um it really seemed like you know millie would be around for a while um it seemed like they were both like just like diving all in so it is kind of weird that like yeah we're not even a full like we're not we haven't even started the first season and we already know that she's leaving that's a, it's not completely unheard of for a companion to only be around for one season. Um, I'm giving this a thumb sideways just because, yes, we saw her in the church on Ruby Road and I really liked her in that. Uh, but I still don't have a connection to her yet. Um, and the nosy part of me, yes, does want to know why she's leaving so suddenly. Tabitha. Can I ask a question? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um the clip we watched about the goblin baby dinner mm-hmm. thing um is that the blonde yes do you think maybe they're switching her out because she looks like dollar general billy piper <laughs> <laughs> like giving the doctor a blonde bad actress is kind of on brand but like that's what i i was like are we having billy piper flashbacks and then i started singing billy piper songs in my head um I'm giving this a thumb sideways. I'm obviously very not caught up on Doctor Who. Billy Piper still exists in my world. Um, It it feels a little strange for the casting time, but like thumb sideways? I don't really care either way. 
Matt. This is hard because it's not uncommon. It's many of the companions have only lasted for a season. Um, the part that I don't like about this is that because of social media, because of the internet, we already know that she's leaving. This is not a surprise. It's not something that you find out as the season progresses, which is how it's happened in the past. Um, if she wants to leave, she wants to move on, do something else. That's fine. That's the part I don't like that we don't know. Uh, thumbs sideways. Tabitha. <laughs> We're chuckling because not Seth has apparently instituted a new rule in gut reaction. Um, but we're all here for it. The title is gut reaction. <laughs> it's not, well, let's talk about the set depth. We're trying to keep this under a two hour podcast. <laughs> on AMC movie. And also tap the text to me. I want to go to bed. <laughs> I'm very sleepy. Fair enough. Well, um, when you're, when you go to sleep, are you going to dream about Pierce Brosnan? I don't know what year is it. Um, <laughs> Prime Pierce Brosnan. Maybe. Um, except for the fact that he could be going to jail. Um, so <laughs> Bad boys aren't really my jam. Um, Pierce, really? <laughs> just in books. And movies. Um, Pierce Brosnan could be facing some jail time for taking a little joy walk in Yellowstone. Uh, sneaky sneaking into some hydrothermal areas, which are restricted for a freaking reason and protected by federal law. Federal law. Um, the charges were filed back in December. Um, essentially, the, the case for the park, park system is that when people take their lives into their own hands and get outside of the like walkable paths of yellowstone like they're putting themselves the park district the wildlife and so many other things at jeopardy um other visitors that have been found guilty of doing this exact same thing have faced bans fines 10 days of jail time i think was the max that i saw um he appeared in court a couple of days ago on the 23rd pled not guilty despite there being very uh real photographic evidence <laughs> um we'll see where this goes um i know people do this all the time but unfortunately most of those people aren't pierce brosnan famous to where now you look like a jackass on the news versus just being like some chode who got into the <laughs> wrong spot at yellowstone um i'm giving this a thumbs down for pierce brosnan just wandering off like i feel like it's one of those celebrity things where you think you can do what you want because you're a celebrity versus just like following the rules because they're there for a reason not just to keep you out of good photo areas <laughs> matt yeah i agree um you can be a celebrity but those paths in those areas are restricted for a reason um it's they're trying to preserve the wildlife and the like nature and all of that so just because you are a celebrity doesn't mean you have the right to go wherever you want so Sadly, thumbs down to him for thinking that, probably. <laughs> yeah, thumbs down. Um, Pierce, buddy, you ain't 007 anymore. You can't just do whatever you want. So, before James Gunn took the reins of the DCU, uh, there was a new Superman movie in the works, produced by J.J. Abrams and written by Tan Hesse Coates. Uh, when the change from the DCEU to the DCU happened, uh, many assumed this project was as dead as the Star-Spangled Kid, who is a dead DC character. I looked this up. 
because my my go to was gonna be as dead as Uncle Ben, but I'm like, I can't mix I can't mix Marvel and DC. <laughs> um, anyway, so Gunn was doing a kind of an impromptu Q and A on Threads uh, when a user asked if the project is still in development, and Gunn simply answered yes. Uh, I'm giving this a thumbs up. Um, <clears throat> I know that. You know, it, it, it can be confusing, especially with, like, the Superman legacy um, movie that's in the works. And then you've got this other movie that's in the works, you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, but I'm still here for it uh, between J.J. Abrams and Tana Hesse Coates. Uh, I'm ex- excited for this project. Tabitha. Um, Tana Hesse Coates makes me interested. But at the same time, like we have so many film iterations of Superman at this point that it's there are just so many other superheroes out there. I'm begging for someone to find one of the more obscure ones and make a movie about it. So I don't have to see a buff white alien from Krypton on every movie I've ever looked at. If I can, if I remember, (laughs) if I (laughs) If I remember correctly, I think this would be um, a Superman from a different Earth, yep. which would be a black Superman. Better, but still Superman. Like, we're, I don't, there's just, you can't just tell me he's from a different universe, make him a different race, and be like, here you go, it's a whole new Superman. It's still Superman. You still have the basics of the Superman character. Like, there are other superheroes out there like i love batman we don't need any more batman movies i love superman i don't think we need any more film iterations of this character matt this is a double-edged sword because i do think this project has promise i remember hearing about this when it had been first announced um but as you said you want some of these other characters marvel has done that and some of them have not done super well like Captain Marvel and Ant-Man. Well, if you are only so, doing it for a cash grab, then stop doing it. You have enough money, Marvel. True. So, thumb sideways. Uh, Matt, let's talk about BMW. Uh, so, there's a BMW plant in South Carolina <clears throat> that will be testing, quote-unquote, all-purpose humanoid robots. Don't like that. Um, they're created by a California-based AI robotics company called Figure, and the robots will allow employees to focus on skills and processes that cannot be automated, as well as continuous improvement in production efficiency and safety. Uh, They're going to do a multi-step rollout, but basically the robots will be doing the repetitive manual tasks, and the humans will be supervising the robots. Thanks, Terminator. Thumbs down. Yeah, thumbs down. Uh, those roles are going to get reversed real quick. Tabitha. Part of me is ready for the robots to take over. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure 90% of my job could be done by a robot. With me supervising the robot. Am I the robot? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm giving this a thumb sideways. I'm all for... Uh, modernizing things especially when it comes to manual labor if you're going to not pay the people what they deserve might as well not pay them at all at this point so thumbs sideways 
The Daily Show has been without a host since Trevor Noah left last year. Uh, since then, the show has relied on guest hosts while searching for a permanent replacement. Uh, this new status quo was announced earlier this week, and Jon Stewart is returning. Sort of. Uh, Stewart returns to The Daily Show as executive producer and will host the show on Mondays through the 2024 election. A rotating team of correspondents will handle hosting duties for the other days of the week. Um, I'm giving this a thumb sideways. I am very excited to see Jon Stewart back, uh, even if he's executive producing. Um, excited to see him back hosting. Uh, I do wish that it was kind of like, uh, hey, we're Comedy Central and we're going to give Jon Stewart literally whatever he wants to get him back <laughs> hosting full time. Um, but that said, it's been a rocky year with them trying to find a different host and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I wish that they would have found a permanent replacement. Uh, but that said, John Stewart, presidential election, I'm here for it. Uh, thumb sideways, Tabitha. I have a feeling we're going to need John Stewart <laughs> <laughs> during this presidential election. I I tend to not watch like talk show TV like at all. Um with the exception of John Oliver, of course. But um, I, I I think we're going to need Jon Stewart in the coming months, so I'm going to give this a thumbs up. Matt? I do wish that they had found a new full-time host because I don't feel like... You're right. I don't feel like it's it's found its flow with the multiple hosts. Um, but I do have to agree that we, as a country, will need Jon Stewart even one day a week uh, during this election. And having him come back, I will probably actually make an effort to watch this on a regular basis for his commentary alone. So thumbs up to him, thumbs sideways to no full-time host. Matt, you have our last story of the week. Which, what? Yeah, I know, right? Um, which, it's not super weird, like, in terms of the other weird stories that, like, Tabitha or... I will come up with. <laughs> Sorry, I'll work on that. Yeah, please do. Um, however, it was still probably the weirdest story of the week. Um, let's talk about the Tokyo Tower of Sympathy. Um, so a Japanese prestigious literary award was recently presented. Uh, the Akutagawa Prize. Um was given to Ri Kudan in a ceremony. Um, and after receiving the award, she admitted that she had made active use of generative AI, like ChatGTP, in writing her book. Uh, she flat out, quote, admitted, uh, I would say about 5% of the book Quoted verbatim, the sentence is generated by AI. So you win a prestigious award and then immediately turn around and admit to using AI to write your book. Somebody she... was blackmailing her. <laughs> <laughs> but did she did she give back the award? Um, as far as I can tell, no. Um, because she felt like the the ideas were still hers 
Um, and using AI was part of her artistic license as the novelist. Um, it's the thing is, is like, I, as a writer have seen a lot of small publishing houses and indie presses flat out, just say like, if we catch anything that is AI generated, it will be flat out rejected, contracts nullified, done, end of story, no questions asked. That's where we're at with creative, at least in, in, in the writing world. And I don't feel like, one, she should have kept the award. I don't feel like, I feel like they should have rescinded the award after this admission. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it was eventually going to make make news. She, it was she was going to spill the beans at some point that this is what had happened. Um, but to just flat out like out with that, even right after the ceremony. And I know you said five percent, but five percent is five percent. Like that's still more than you should have used. Yeah, five, and that's kind of where I was just thinking. Like five percent. Yeah, it sounds very small. However. Let's say let's say the book is three hundred pages. Mm-hmm. That's fifteen pages yeah. of AI, and I wouldn't I wouldn't condone even one percent of actually publishing what you got from AI. <laughs> what I would maybe condone, and this is like when I'm going through a very tough time of writer's block, and I know what I want to say, but I don't know how I want to say it use ai to get kind of a more cohesive outline or whatever and then put your words from that if that makes sense it does i actually um i know a writer online that has admitted it has admitted on social media that he uses ai chat gtp for brainstorming purposes i haven't read any of his stuff further on to and compare I, I i mean i don't i wouldn't know how to compare that to ai generated work anyways but even for me like i'm not going to use chat gtp or ai for even brainstorming like if i can't come up with it it's it's not my idea it's i don't know it yeah this this bothers me, especially in the in the climate that we're in with AI and AI generated art and music and now literature. And like if, if you're going to take this award and use AI, it's that proverbial can of worms. Like, where does that end? Mm-hmm. It's giving um, you receive an A on your paper in high school. And then you admit to the teacher that you plagiarized part of it. And then the teacher's just like, "Mm, okay. And still keeps your A. Like, no, 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 no. Like, you cheated. Do not pass go. (laughs) Not collect $200. I feel like Matt. Like, I kind of want to play devil's advocate here a little bit. Do it. (laughs) Usually not my job. Um, Because you're usually just the devil. Oh my god, thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Um, I'm blushing a little. Um, that's just the fire from you being in hell all the time. 
You're not wrong. Um, I don't think she should have kept the award. At the same time, I feel like, like I said, my gut reaction to this (laughs) is that someone was about to out her for using it because they found it out. Mm. Like, Because why in the hell would you get an award and then turn around and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I used this. But it's fine because it's my artistic license. Unless your publisher or your BFF was like, you got that award, I'm coming for you in the news. Like, it's giving the plot to a sci-fi novel Yeah. without, it, you know what I mean? Like, like the the whole thing no, is... Yeah, there's there's some of that to that. Like, yeah. yeah, there's like, it's giving the, like, this actual event is giving the plot to a sci-fi novel. Um, part of me wonders if she's doing it for attention because we do have, you know what I mean? Like we are in a world where, yes, we've talked about a woman who faked her own death for five years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But she wasn't like a real author. I said that and she can come for me if she wants to. I'll make that bitch cry. Um, (laughs) she's not a real author. Um, she doesn't really exist. So it's okay. Fair. She's also dead. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Some of it feels like it was done to drum up publicity. Like, yeah. There's lit- like there is literally a book floating around that is a bestseller right now, and I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to be this guy. Where the entire plot of that book is that someone takes your work and presents it as somebody else's work and gets famous from that presentation of s- presenting it. Like you are someone else. This feels like, like the plot. Ghost, ghost writing, but AI. Yes, it feels like the plot of that book, and it's just I'm. Mm, I have suspicious assumptions. My bullshit what meter's going off. Suspicious minds. Fantastic Elvis song. That is a wonderful Elvis song. I just want to know what the name of that book is. The one I'm talking about. Yeah, you'll tell me on the way home. I will. Uh, you'll tell us before you leave this house. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay. I will. I just don't want to be that guy. I'm going to end this podcast now so that Tabitha can fully spill the tea. Um, I don't know, guys. <laughs> Say bye or something. Bye, bye or something. Bye. That's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. It would be a shame if you didn't follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Geek Awakens Podcast or on Twitter at Geek Awakens. Theme music created and produced by E. Cannon Beats. Our logo was designed by Shay McCain. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We're boldly gone.